0: So tonight we're going to speak on this subject called renounce, renounce, renounce. Now I'm going to let you guess what the subject's going to be on tonight. (laughs) I just can't say it any stronger than that. I think I'm saying it for this reason. It's a funny feeling with this lesson. It, It strikes me different than any other one. And I'll tell you why I ran across this quote. And it says, anyone who isn't embarrassed of who they were last year probably isn't learning enough. Elaine D. Botton. You know, with a name like that, that's important, you can tell. so. But this is how I felt about bringing someone out of a witchcraft spell. We are about to learn some things that we had never heard of. And this is completely a subject that I could say, I could measure a few years back, and I would say, I didn't know it. I didn't understand it. Even though our first lesson came probably five or six years ago, it still took us a couple of years to ask ourselves, what did we learn from it? Tonight, I'm going to impart something to you that literally was nothing I'd ever heard of, even though that I've been in this field of work for many, many years in ministry. So we're going to have a little fun sharing with you. This one didn't exactly come from just a sweet devotion in the morning little bit of prayer time. This came on more of a live or die scene, and I don't want to go into great lengths of it, but when someone has their hand around your throat and they're reaching for a knife, it's time for you to figure out how to apply your Sunday school lesson. And uh, you need to be in the right Sunday school class so you're getting these cutting edge thoughts of authority. So with Dawn, I'm gonna just jump into the story since it's well known. But I just wanna do the key points of this aspect of it. It's not encounter one where she came to her house and about tore the whole living room down was the incredible Hulk and all that went down to get her delivered. But it was the second encounter And if you can imagine, the second encounter with her was worse than the first encounter. The first encounter had started out very bad, but she ended up saved and delivered. And we had had two great weeks of discipleship. Like, I was watching her preach to people and overhearing some of her conversations, and it blessed my heart. We broke generational curses. We were fast-tracking with the discipleship. But the second time when she came and she was worse than she was the first. I didn't know how to get her free the second time. So I tried, of course, something I'd seen because I was watching our method not work. And I had never seen deliverance not work. It was not working in two ways. It wasn't working by her getting out from under the spirit, the demonic spirit, nor was it working in the sense that she had her hands on me and I'd never had someone be able to put their hands on me. She wasn't able to hurt me and I wasn't afraid, but it was getting very, very handsy. <laughs> Throat, <laughs> torn shirt, grabbing my pants. Every aspect, I just thought I was fixing to turn into the seven sons of Skiva, and this would be written up for eternity as an example. But there was an issue that had taken place that was just kind of a footnote to the story. And that's what we're dwelling on. I'm I'm not interested in giving you all these details because, honestly, I don't want to make this extreme. I'm not coming at this in order to tell you this story because if I do it that way, you'll just be entertained. Where this is something for you in your practical life. This is something for you in normal Christianity. But we did learn it in an extreme way. So that's how I'm going to preface this, is this came by something that maybe the Lord thought we wouldn't have learned it in a gentle way. It took a little extra <laughs> in our face for us to really get the point. I hope to say that it's not that we're slow learners, but I was kind of having a learning curve on this. So I'm going to call this the hesitancy to renounce. It can get you in a lot of trouble. So on this day, two weeks later, it started early that morning with dawn. It was on the back steps of my house, and it had been in the morning. Steph is the person who first heard the Lord speak to her that someone in Dawn's life needed to be renounced that day, and she told Dawn to renounce this person, and it was before Steph even understood it or the significance of what she had told her, and Steph had discerned that it was the time to renounce a soul tie with the head witch guy. So Steph walked out the back door with Dawn and down the steps, and God just spoke to her what she must do, and she told her, Dawn, you've got to renounce this guy. Honestly, I would say Dawn about turned into a puddle. She dissolved into distress. She said, I can't. I love him. Now that seems to be the answer to everything in this <laughs> That's usually the words that you'll hear. So, when one of us comes into town, you know, she said, I can actually, like, I can feel him. And it got real mystical at this point. And she's trying to prove to us how much love was between them, <laughs> you know, by this mystical, you know, ram that she was in with this guy. And she says, you know, we don't even have to tell each other, but we can actually feel the other's presence. I would say a little more than you usually would see in an average soul tie. Anyway, well, she was giving us no choice. We would give her some time until she could renounce him because she wasn't letting us go there with her. Dawn said, I've gotten saved. And, you know, she liked her new life with the Lord, but she said, I can't renounce him. And I had that thought flash through my head. Well, this is going to take a little time. Sometimes the emotional side, it'll take some time. Little do we know that on the back porch that next evening, she would come again, but it wasn't dawn. It was dawn, but it wasn't dawn. If you understand what I'm trying to tell you, I've never seen anything like it. And of course, I do what I always do. Theologically, I couldn't make it work. Like I'm like, OK, you know, you're going through. I know she legitimately knows the Lord, not only knows him, but she's appreciative of what has happened that back porch almost became a crime scene. I didn't think much of her initial reaction to not wanting to renounce, but it did put it in my memory forever. And so tonight, when we became aware of the concept of renouncing, honestly, up until that point, I had renounce up there with resist, rebuke, restraint. I just thought it was an R word. I thought it gave us alliteration. I thought it was just a synonym. I didn't know it meant something special. I just thought it's just a good word when you're in the mood to make everything have a punch to it, you know, an R, R, R. You know, and I called Jimmy Lau two days ago, and I talked to him about his experience in this area, and he called it denounce. And so that just didn't work with the R's. And so the point I'm making about it is there's nothing really special about the word. You can't take the word and just say the word itself is unique. But the concept is unbelievably important to what it takes to break free. So I'm looking at it as a concept. I'm looking at it as something that you have to go in and do to break you from the past. In an effort to get desperate with God, after watching an hour and a half of deliverance not working, our guys in the backyard using their authority, doing everything they had been trained to do, and a little more, I decided I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna handle this. And so I locked myself out of my own house so that I wouldn't decide to retreat and until I could figure out what to do. So that's how the lesson starts is you just make up your mind I'm going to learn and I'm going to learn tonight what on earth is going on. So as I had told you I had seen that the way we had done deliverance was not working I couldn't understand with someone into witchcraft why certain things were taking place I tried a couple of other people's methods. In fact, I had so loved what Steph had done in the original deliverance, that I thought, well, I'll try her approach. Maybe I'm just not putting my heart on it enough. It's kind of hard to put your heart on someone that's trying to kill you, but I thought I would try that experiment. And so Steph had put her hands on both sides of her face and Steph had go, Dawn, I love you. This is your day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And Dawn had uh, taken her down out of the air where she was holding her and had put her down. So I tried it with Dawn. I was in a different position with Dawn. I'll just leave it at that. I put my hands on both sides of her cheek and I looked into her eyes. And I said, Dawn, there was no Dawn in there. Nothing was looking back. Heidi Baker's form of throwing your love... I mean, I just wasn't seeing it tonight. I tried the love approach. The saliva was the thing I was asking the Lord. Lord, if that saliva gets in my mouth that's dripping, I will never, ever recover from this. Like, I was getting so tickled thinking about it of, I could be drenched, and if my mouth is open, I will gag my toenails up. I have a bad gag response. And so, anyway, everything that night was going in a very unusual direction. So lots of authority, lots of people that had experience in this area, lots of years that I had been through this, a heritage, everything was on the table and nothing was working. And so I decide, cry out to God. I cry out to the Lord and I ask him, how do I get her free? I mean, they had already used their authority and run her off once. And I had looked up into heaven and called her back and said, she's our fruit. She's our gift. I'm not willing to lose her. Because you can feel that spirit of death going after her and They weren't too thrilled with her coming back, but to have her come back and not get her free, there's something wrong with this. When I cried out to the Lord and I asked the Lord, what do I do? He showed me immediately what to do. And I said, Dawn. They had her restrained at this point because of the latest thing she had tried. I told her, I said, Dawn. I said, we had an agreement with you. If you're all in, we're all in. And you said, if we were all in, you'd be all in. We had an agreement with heaven. And when I said it out to her that literally we have agreed on this, she shot out her hand and she said, deal. And that's what she had done with Steph in my living room when she had decided she was going to go the route of looking into the Lord. And so she shot out her hand to me and she goes, Deal. And when she said deal, and I grabbed her hand, it was like heaven came down between us. And Dawn was back, and it was like a snap, and her mind was back. And I'm looking at her thinking, I don't even know what to say has taken place the last few hours. But the spell had broken off of her. And I was like, wow, that deal really meant something in the heavenlies. Like, it really had been ratified. And so that's where we had started with her. Now, I'm going to say she was back. It was truly Dawn. Uh, She acted like she was drunk. Like at that point, she was a very drunk Dawn, but she was back being Dawn again. I'd never seen her drunk, but that's what I would have guessed that it looked like. And it was such a difference in who she was. I knew something had taken place. And so as we began to piece this story together, we realized that has started with the renouncing. And it wouldn't be but a few days before we found out what had taken place that night. If you're not ready to renounce, then the thing which happens is that you'll get in more pain. And when you get into more pain, you start having very few options. You get more trapped, more fallout, more people affected and hurt, more consequences. And I understand that your feelings are gonna rebel against the idea that you've got to renounce and break agreements with them. With whatever agreements that you've made, apart from God, you've got to break them. And any other path that you take will be problematic. So even though I understand your feelings, it's just about like the way I understood Dawn's feelings on the porch and I felt for her. I understood this had been like a family tour. Understanding the feelings is not enough. It will have dire consequences, and it seems like on the other end they ramp it up. But this is the very thing, the agreement with the wrong person that got you into this to begin with. It's that very issue that has you opened up. And you can't rebuke something someone has willfully agreed with. I don't have that power. Our authority was never meant to use our authority against another human's free will. So when someone has willfully agreed with something, then that agreement causes a lot of things to take place in the spiritual realm. So even though I wasn't sure what had happened with what had caused her to go off the rails, I also wasn't exactly sure what had happened of what brought her back to her right mind. I wasn't exactly sure what had taken place. You know, you're not going to be able to use this with everyone that needs to renounce because of the fact you haven't made agreements with all of them. So you're asking yourself, what was it? What was it that the Lord was showing us? So we were going to have to learn some things over the next three years before I would even know what I would share with you tonight. So past agreements in your life have to be renounced. And this is everyone, everyone. None of you have lived such a perfect life so in tune to the Lord that you haven't made some wrong agreements. So your free will, when it went towards the wrong thing, your authority made agreements. You used your authority to make that agreement, and you have to use your authority to break that agreement. That's the point. Anything that is evil, it has to borrow your authority. It has to usurp your authority. That's why a Jezebel has no power in the earth apart from Ahab's authority. That's why a Jezebel has no authority or place in a group of believers apart from someone letting her take over their authority. It is a letting go of authority. Adam and Eve were the perfect example. That snake had no power over them until they had handed over their authority. So this is what takes place. You have used your authority to make that agreement and now you're going to have to use your authority to break that agreement. So you have to see your part in breaking it. You've got to understand your part and this is where you get mixed up. Just because you've removed it or you're no longer doing it, and you aren't looking at it anymore, and you're not dealing with it, and you're no longer captive by it, and it's no longer a problem in your life, and you're completely over it. That's not enough. There's still the agreement that's there. It still has that pattern to draw you back to that in a default matter. It still has legal right. It's waiting there dormant. So no, you have to reverse out of the decline, the dark side with at least the same oomph that got you into it. You can't get into it and think that you're gonna get out of it by just ignoring it. You know, I love this story of Cindy, but she had told me afterwards, after I talked to her, because she spoke this in front of the whole church, but she said, Lord, why are all these bad things happening to me? She says, I prayed I shouldn't have an open door. And the Lord says, oh yeah, he said, you have an open door. And he said, it's all the complaining you did. And she said, Lord, I've repented of that, and that was 20 years ago. And the Lord says, you've never broke agreement with it. You've never shut the door. Those complaints are still out there drawing this stuff to you. And I had never heard anyone quite express it that way, but that's what she had received from the Lord, was that there's things that we have legally Our words are what gives it legal right. We have placed things out there that we must break our agreement with what we've done. So renouncing, I'm going to give it to you in the concept of open doors. Uh, Robbie and I were working on this analogy a little bit. But if you don't do renouncing, it's like having a room that has a door that you're not using anymore. But the problem is there's still a door. Like, you've stopped it like a bad habit. It's like you quit walking through the door, but the door still gives it access. It's still accessible. It's still an option. And it even lets other people be able to utilize it. Repenting is like shutting that door. Renouncing is like locking it. (laughs) And that's how I'd say it, because repentance will give you a great measure of the door being shut. But if you're ignoring it, you just have an open door. Robbie and I could agree whether there was actually a door or just an opening there. So we were saying that it still gives the ability for things to come in. Then what takes place in your life that kind of gets it going or messes you up is a thing called triggers. Mm. Do you know what we mean by triggers? It's where you can be perfectly normal and then all of a sudden... Everything inside of you feels like it's spinning in our vernacular or it feels like Anxiety on you something feels wrong. Everything feels off. You just have something come over you Let me give you our language for triggers. It's non-resolved areas in your life. This thing's not resolved The enemy he likes to use someone else's voice to punch you. I always call it like a gut punch You're not sure up It makes you spin, that place where the enemy will still hit you. I mean, you can be a person that knows your authority and has lived in victory, but there can still be places the enemy will still hit me in that area. When I've renounced that person, renouncing puts that area back into God's will. When I renounce that, and I'm going to give you the different categories to renounce, but when you renounce it, it's like it takes that and puts it back under the submission to God. Where I took my hands off, where you let the Lord redeem and restore, until then it still has the power to hurt you. Holding on to something that is still going to repetitively hurt renouncing helps you to resolve and this is the area that we talked to about perpetual problems. If you have perpetual problems, the problem could be in the area of renouncing. A lot of times that's what causes you not to be able to shut the door and get it resolved. Now, I'll tell you what you think. You get uh, deceived by it because you rebuke or you get it off of you, you repent, and it leaves and you think it is forever gone and you're so happy. And you're like telling all your friends there's a victory. And then you hate to admit to them a month later, it's right back because a trigger was hit. And you just go through this cycle all the time. And you just think, what is wrong with me? Like, I get this off. I know I have the victory. I know I'm over this. And then suddenly it's all over you. The emotions are right back and you feel like you're starting over from square one. You don't even understand what's taking place. Renouncing helps you to resolve. So we've seen that the results of a lack of renouncing were made very clear to us when you absolutely won't renounce. So what the Lord was showing us became much more real than just a normal lesson. And this is when we found out deliverance does not work on witchcraft. In fact, deliverance isn't even designed for witchcraft because it's what we talked about. It's a difference between a spirit having a person You know, being in some kind of control over the person and the difference between a person being in some kind of agreement with the spirit. It's the two hands effect where one hand, the spirit's on top of you. The other hand, your human will is in agreement with the spirit. So when that takes place, the witchcraft is empowered in a way that you cannot explain because it is the flesh with the demonic spirit. It is an agreed upon thing. The thing you have to get in there and break is the agreement. So hours of rebuking will be to no avail because of the fact that it is the agreement that has to be broken. So the rest of the story on Don. Don, episode number one was salvation and a thorough deliverance. Dawn episode number two was a refusal to renounce. Dawn's episode's recurring was in the area of renouncing. And boy, some of you have a lot to renounce. There may be a period of time where all you did was make agreements on the wrong side. So, renouncing is a missing piece, and I like to call it a preventative piece. The hesitancy to renounce. The second round wouldn't have taken place if Don had renounced him. She told her, I want you to renounce this person. Steph gives account to God for Don's soul. Steph was hearing in a very prophetic way. So these people who do that for you have an anointing to know the next step you need to take in your discipleship. If you balk, back away, emotionally say you can't do it, you cause a lot of problems. This is the deal. Second time, it wasn't deliverance Dawn needed. She needed to renounce who Steph had told her to renounce because she was out of witchcraft, but he wasn't. Do you see? The rest of the story now, saved. She's healed. She has the relationship with her mother restored. There was a brokenness in her relationship with her mom. She got delivered from murder. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And she got enough deliverance to get normal. And the coven was ran out of brownwood at that point. So with that, I tried to give you enough of an understanding without going through all that we learned, but to center in on the concept that I knew nothing about except that it began with the letter R. So we're going to look at seven areas to renounce. Number one, first on the list, renounce any agreements you have made with witchcraft. Whether you think it's good witchcraft or bad witchcraft, renounce it. It is not by the power of the living Lord. It's not God. It's not by Jesus Christ. You have to do spiritual house cleaning. Everybody fooling around with paranormal stuff, horror films, the dark side, infatuated with something that's bad, entertainment, decorating with dark things, letting that spirit know that you are done. So renounce any agreements you've made with this witchcraft. This is a great night to say that. Renounce any holiday that celebrates witchcraft in any form. Renounce anything that is apart from the Spirit of the Lord. You know, I said what the Lord convicted me of is witchcraft is actually cheating on God. It's when you want power and you don't care who you get it from. Friendship with the world is cheating on God, according to James. So if that's cheating on God to be friends with the world, I can't tell you what witchcraft does in the spiritual realm. Witchcraft doesn't care where the power comes from. If you're going to get free, you're going to defy all odds because most people will tell you people that come out of the occult can't hold it. And I'll tell you why they can't hold it. It'll come back on them. And the reason it comes back on them is this one thing right here. It's this number one point. You've got to let that spirit know that you are never going back to it. Until you have clearly let that spirit know, I will never go back to you. I am never going back to you. I don't care how much my life goes one way or the other. I am never going back to this spirit. It is unholy. And that's where it breaks down that people don't get free. They still leave the option open. So you must renounce the fear the fear of all this, in this realm, you start getting into a spirit of fear. You can't agree with the fear. It displays intimidation for you. You must renounce it. You have to renounce a witchcraft hold that this person has over you. And you have to renounce the control of them over you. So renounce the fear of them over you, renounce the witchcraft of them over you, and renounce the control of them over you. Number two, if the Bible's gonna tell you there's something the same as witchcraft, then it has to be renounced. And this is what God tells Samuel to tell Saul, that witchcraft is the same as rebellion. 1 Samuel 15. And he tells Saul, your rebellion is the same as witchcraft. And this is the key coming out of the spell, the witchcraft spell. Rebellion has to be repented of and renounced. Witchcraft is the highest form of rebellion. It's in the top Control is the highest form. It goes completely opposite than what God gave with free will. If God, who is all power, is not going to control you, how dare people use control? You're setting yourself up to be God. You have to repent of rebellion. This is high treason. This is what got the enemy kicked out of heaven. It was the rebellion he caused in heaven. And it's a rebellion made out of self. And everybody thinks that this type of uh, spirit is usually the very rebellious kid. It's the one you can't control. It's the one that's everyone's problem. It's the one they talk about in the teacher's lounge. But truly, I have found the cases of the worst kind of, of rebellion is on the quiet, compliant child. This opened up a discussion last week with the parents that all these parents had kids that were in their 20s and up And they started saying, I never would believe it, but their rebellious kid had kind of worked it out. Society will start giving you enough knocks. Everybody starts disciplining the rebellious kid. Garrett on the front row, he knows what it's like to be the one (laughs) that everybody goes, oh, this kid. He'll get it worked out. And then the kid that's in the Sunday school that's so nice, he won't have worked his rebellion out. There can be a lot of anger in you in your 20s if you were the compliant kid that you don't even know that's down there. So as I was doing interviews for the team book, there was one story that I centered around the concept of that there was a crack, there was a split. I just saw that word while we were reading that story and John and Steph and I pounced on it. The way you can get deception off of a person or the way that a spell can break is that you find the crack in it. It's the girl that was telling her story of being so rebellious. And when the rebellion was pierced, this was the most interesting part of the story to me, since it's the crack through which God came through to her. You know, she tells the story of, where's the keys, where's the money, I'm out of here. You know, she was dating a guy that wasn't a believer. And suddenly, the parents had a rebellious child on their hands. But this totally illustrates what we're talking about here. When she came back to the family, the prodigal had returned. They were so happy. You know, she was back to being their sweet little angel again. They were so glad now that she was dating a believer. But because the door to rebellion has never been shut, it found another way to manifest. Because it was never renounced, you can shut a door without it being locked. If you come back, it's not enough. The enemy is patient and he will wait years to reset up another situation to send you into rebellion again. And so the rebellion itself must be treated like witchcraft. It must be completely renounced out. It will give you the same results that you get from witchcraft. And it may not be that, where's the keys, where's the money, give me what I want. But it will be the same thing, but it's even more sly because it's hidden. And you put spiritual clothing on it. It acts in a way that honestly puts a witchy feeling over everything. So as we've watched this play out and we've talked about what took place, the rebellion itself was never dealt with. You know, I've talked about the prodigal who comes home without an apology. And that is a problem when a radical comes home but doesn't repent. I can name you times I've seen this happen, but I'm going to take it further. It's when you come home and there's no renouncing, when you do not sever that tie with you in rebellion. So don't give yourself a free pass because it's not an overt rebellion. Check your heart because foolishness is bound up in the heart of every child, and that must be broken out of us. So under this of the renouncing of self, of flesh apart from God, anything you've done in your life apart from God, flesh, self-will, self-independence, without leaning on dependence of God, defiance, it can be that refusing to forgive, swayed more by what the world says than what the Lord says. All these things are pieces of it. That was number two. Number three is something that we're learning, and it's Revelation 2.20. There is one type of person that you must not tolerate, and that is that woman Jezebel. You must not tolerate that woman, (laughs) that Jezebel. And what I've learned about this is we just think, oh, don't be a Jezebel. That's how we read it. Don't be a Jezebel. you know. And if you're too strong, it might be that you're just, no, what this is telling you, is if you allow yourself to be controlled, you're tolerating Jezebel. And we always think, oh, well, I'm not Jezebel, so I get given a pass. The Lord told me on Judgment Day, I'm going to hold you responsible if you allow yourself to be controlled. Wow. We always seem to give the week a little bit easier of a go. It's not how the Lord says it. So you renounce any control, manipulation, intimidation that you've let stand over your life. Does someone intimidate you? Then you handle it. It's you with the problem. Are you manipulated easy? It's your problem. Are you being controlled? It's your problem. You have to renounce this. If you're lazy, this is the other end. It's your problem. You've got to renounce it. But we have entered into a church age. We have entered into that Revelation 2.20 time where it is lethal for us to tolerate the Jezebel spirit. You must not tolerate it. The worst thing you can do is have soulish compassion towards a Jezebel. And they'll have a whole group of people that have soulish compassion towards them. For some reason, they have people's agreement, and people give them authority. The odd thing about Jezebels is what gives them power is that people are obsessed with them. They're infatuated with them. Like, everybody loves to talk about them. I wish I could have back all the time that we've discussed. (laughs) We were talking to a girl the other day, and these people become obsession. And I don't know what is the attraction in the spirit realm. Maybe it's the fact that man will be enslaved to something. Like we find ourselves enslaved to our own flesh, to other people, we're enslaved. For some reason, we can't walk in the freedom and the strength that the Lord has given us in the word. We can't walk into what God has provided for us. And somehow we find ourselves agreeing with someone that's off. I'm not going to put up with it. You know in your spirit when something's off. The only time you would get it wrong is if you have a rebellious spirit or you want to do something in your flesh. You use it as a covering. But if you've got a clean spirit, you will be able to see through this. There is nothing that holds them in place but this admonition from the Lord people are not holding them accountable like they used to. Used to, they'd tear through a church, tear through a group of people that were united, and divide everyone, and you could kind of run them out. Now they have too many personal rights. (laughs) People applaud it. You must not tolerate the Jezebel spirit. You must not tolerate it by admiring a character on TV that has a Jezebel spirit. You must not tolerate it by admiring someone in the entertainment business with a Jezebel spirit. You must not tolerate it by admiring Jezebel. Number four, that you have to renounce. You need to think through your legal and binding oaths. If you made an oath, This happens with words, so this is in that area. You know, finding out how serious things are, our words, our agreements, our covenants, these things need to only be holy to the Lord. Your words, your agreements, your covenants need to be completely used on the good, godly side of life, the holy side of life, anything that's on a different side. When we put them in the wrong hands, we use our words to support we add agreements and we go as forward as to make promises and oaths which bind us to these people. Sometimes we even make a covenant to the wrong side, the dark side. You must renounce your covenants, agreements, negotiations, and bargains that you have made with the enemy, with the dark side. There's a seriousness to making covenants. Another thing is if your family ever had any of these secret organizations where they made oaths, You renounce any curses that your family spoke over their bloodlines. You renounce any curses taken in secret. You have to renounce any curses spoken against you. You get deceived in thinking you're making a vow to God. So I did a two-part series on making covenants and keeping covenants, on pain-inspired decisions. And our covenants, I started being shocked at how strong they are in the Bible. They asked me after the end of the series, is there something we can do to biblically get out of one of them that we've made? And the reason I brought this up is most people haven't even understood how binding these things are and how hard they are to break. That's why I wanted you to see that even covenants and oaths and rash vows, the Bible takes them seriously. So by the time you're looking how serious the Bible takes it, I want you to realize you can't just flippantly have made oaths to the dark side or done something in this area and not take it seriously enough that you must renounce till the power of it is broken. This is part of the crying out and the declaring. But your words are very serious because they are very binding. And it is wonderful when you're binding evil and you're loosing the things that God has called you to loose. But it is terrible when you're binding yourself and the free will and the strength and the love that God has given you. All right, number five, under this is the renouncing of the non-biblical words of your mouth. Do you have words that were spoken against you that have lodged inside of you? The way you'll know this takes place is when you get hurt, those words will come back to you the words that someone has spoken against you that hurt your feelings, if you have your feelings hurt here again and every time that's been done to you in the past comes back, you have received those thoughts. You have to renounce non-biblical words that were spoken against you. It can be simple where your family told you you're dumb, you're stupid, you're going to fail, you're never going to amount, and maybe you were driving them crazy, but they begin to speak things about you and you have to break agreement with those. Like the lady who had complained for 20 years, she has to break agreement with what the fruit of complaining will do to you. It will bring it on quickly. Don't marry someone that's a complainer because you will eat the fruit with them. Slander is the nature of the devil. If you've ever told a lie on someone on purpose for a reason, there was a a kid, a girl, couple in our young marriage class. She was likable, friendly, attractive. She caused everybody in the church to pass out when she gave her testimony. She was telling about being a very successful manager in a store. She stole some money. But the worst part is she told the owners who stole it. And she pointed out a kid and said he stole it. And she told that on herself. I mean, those are the times when the collective gasp takes all the air out of the room. But that is pure slander. That is purely the devil. I don't know why church only preaches against gossip and doesn't include slander. The slander literally will break people's lives on purpose, framing someone. You must renounce death. If you've spoken death of yourself, if you've spoken any kind of suicide, renouncing is a way to get it stopped, removing your power from it, your agreement with it. Covenant with death. You know, the Lord calls it, you can be a whitewashed tomb. Like you can be like a fresh coat of paint on the outside, but inside you can have death. And some people can't see it because you look like you got a smile on your face and it looks like fresh paint and you look like you're the newest thing on the block. But the truth is, it's covering a tomb. And so that's where you have to renounce that death. thought of a friend of mine A long time ago, and she she just kept having a perpetual dream. Her parents had died in a car wreck, and she would confess it. Her husband, he didn't know that you're going to live by what your wife confesses. And she was killed in a car wreck right after they married. But I had been hearing her do that, and I was telling her, quit confessing that. And it set it up, and it immediately happened to her. You're coming into agreement with everyone's confessions for their lifetime. If it's spewing out of their mouth, if they say things they don't mean to say when they're angry, if all this happens, this creates the fruit and the renouncing has to take place. Another thing that can happen is renounce when you failed using your words to stop something, where you let it stand, where you did nothing. Witchcraft creates numbness and passiveness. You'll feel insignificant in the battle. You can't be victim and victor both. People using God's name in vain in your home, around you. It's a form of agreement by saying nothing. Renouncing thoughts and emotions, number six. This one, if you let your mind go or if you put your intellect above God. Some people, they have so much pride in their intellect, they never can get a relationship with God going. It's almost a shame they're that smart. They're too smart for their own good and their intellect trumps any situation. It's the one thing they show off. It's the thing they think that makes them the best and the greatest. This goes into that crack where you're looking for the crack. This happens with people who are hearing voices. And if someone comes to you and they tell you I'm hearing voices in my head, this is when his personality, literally, the way he gets free is when his personality splits from his thoughts and he no longer thinks he is his thoughts. If they're having a barrage of compulsive thoughts, he has to break his identity with that set of thoughts and know that's the crack. I am not those thoughts. Those thoughts are coming from the enemy. Half your battle is won when you identify where they're coming from. Renouncing, 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 speaking the word, answering them, resolving them. Thoughts and emotions are both in the soulish realm. And it's a soulish Christian that gets into the intellectualizing, the superiority. If your intellect drives you, repent, renounce. You have not allowed God to be on the throne. Your intellect is on the throne and it messes you up in hearing God. Another thing people do is when reality is so bad in their home and they're powerless, they lose touch with reality and they allowed the fracture of their mind and the splitting of their personality. I don't have words for how much I could fill up here of what's happening to people. If you're in that realm where you can't assess reality, you've done the opposite of the intellectual. You may be doing the intellectual in this, but you are playing games with your mind and you're letting it fragment. Renounce role-playing through a TV show of thinking those people are real. People will call my mom and ask her to pray for someone, and it's a character on the TV show. One lady called her regularly. Through an imaginary friend, fantasy, final fantasy, not happy in reality so we create an alternative place so we can be whoever we want. This is apart from God. Renouncing powerlessness, not using your authority. If you've gotten into the realm of coping with control by doing this, Renounce all the time that you sat there and you did nothing when God had given you the power to get out. You can't blame God for that. Renounce appeasing and lenient. Sometimes when you had a very controlling person, you said, well, I just didn't want to poke the bear. So you start doing the controlling person's bidding, I noticed in that scenario between the two people that I knew where the mother was extremely controlling and the daughter was so passive she laid down to die, literally in the woods she laid down to die. And I realized that where she literally won't do anything, it's her own form of control. That's what's so odd about it. An extremely passive person is an extremely controlling person. Have you ever heard that said before? That's not how you think of it, but extremely passive is extremely a controlling person. A kid who goes to his room and never comes out. He won't bring anything to the table unless he just gives you his intellectual self. He's MIA until they drag him out. Things we have tolerated are allowed. Secular music, movies, things we have let into our home that have a message that puts you apart from God. Things you have allowed to go unchecked. That's the renouncing in the thought realm. Renouncing in the emotions, let's just use anxiety. If you have that low grade anxiety coming over you, it's something that has to be renounced off. Renounce and repent. Renouncing in repentance. Repent in whatever amount that you did it wrong. Whatever amount of wrong in it that you did. Repent in what you did wrong in it. Repent in what you did with your mouth. Repent with your heart. Let me get a hold on you. And I just want to give you something to understand. Once you do this renouncing, repenting, you repent with your heart and your mouth. Sometimes it takes a little while for it to catch up with you emotionally. Like you're just going to be doing it, repenting and renouncing until emotionally you can feel again. And then number seven is renouncing soul ties. With a non-saved person, secular person, a person living like they're not saved, a controlling person, all these type things of soul ties. You have gotta give an account for your soul. The second time it wasn't deliverance Dawn needed. She needed to renounce what, actually who, Steph had told her to renounce. So the question that begs to be answered is, who's your dominant? Let's put it in our language. Who's your accountability partner? Iron sharpens iron. Make sure you don't break ties with the wrong person. There are times in your life it is key not to break up with your accountability partner. And what I see happening with witchcraft is they get rid of the wrong one. Every time they choose to doubt the wrong one, they choose to listen to the wrong one. This is when it counts the most. So if you're hesitant to renounce, to get away from a soul tie, you've got to not see them. No phone calls, no text. If this is a soul tie that is apart from God, this is what has to take place. So I'm going to tell this story to end this. And it's one of our crossliners, and it is a powerful testimony that took place four months ago, and I asked for permission because it's personal. But it is too powerful not to tell. We were writing this together. The beginning of it is in her own words, because we weren't there at the moment of what happened before we got there. So if I haven't already won you over to the renouncing, I'm gonna say, this story will help you believe in renouncing. If renouncing doesn't do anything, then help me figure this story out. So she just has her mother over for a friendly talk. I can't remember, it was something simple. Her mother had come by, and it just came up in conversation somehow that she could fill you in on the details, but she had her renounce some agreement that her mom had made. And having her renounce, she had her renounce listening to this slanderous, controlling person that had called her on the phone. Now, the reason you knew this needed to be renounced... And break any agreement with that person who called was that anytime the mom didn't want to do something with the Lord, she would throw up something out of that conversation into the reason that she didn't want to do it. So that conversation was always there as an open door to drag something out of that conversation to make her point. So it just seemed to always be there blocking something. So the girl said, when I was in D.C., and of course it was on my birthday, this is when this phone call had happened to my mother. Now, I'm going to add in here that when you're out of town, sometimes it leaves those that you cover spiritually kind of vulnerable, like when the cat's gone, the mice play a little. Anyway, she got the phone call. She told her mother, I want you to renounce this girl. Well, these words are beginning to be the last coherent words her mother hears. And she's making the argument she didn't speak truth to you. And the mom starts arguing with her. She didn't want to do it. She was like, you know, something's wrong with you. But a link had occurred that would be brought up at various times to block that going deeper with the Lord. Or any exposure of demonic attacks or any time spiritual warfare was brought up, this conversation would come. So being a cross like she is, she just decided just a little good old-fashioned renouncement would clean this up. Who would have believed it? renouncing letting that conversation happen listening to the slander that this person was speaking over her own daughter now that's what gets you mad it's over you immediately just little little renouncing the mother goes into a seizure now if a seizure was not bad enough it would vacillate between a seizure she'd go into a stroke and she would go between the two her face even started drooping That's one thing women don't want is a drooping face. I mean, we just right there, we've got to stop this, whatever's taking place. She said, my mom is manifesting in my office. Spiritual, spiritual attack. But she she said, Steph, come over here quick. Now, Steph, here's the call. And Steph was going to run over there and help my friend. Steph has geared herself that it's probably just a verbal altercation, but just some kind of verbal attack was going on in the office. Steph was not planning to walk in and see the mother in a contortion in her chair. I mean, how do you do it? Like, tied up. I mean, the woman was, she was not in good shape. Boy, help me, help me. I mean, it has gone now from just a pushing back and not wanting to renounce to now the lady is in a full-fledged medical condition. You know, Steph, never to be deterred, Steph gets on her knees, so she's eye-level with this woman. The lady's in her chair and Steph's on her knees. Well, I think it must be going pretty good because it's been an hour and I've been working away on Bible study or whatever. But lo and behold, I get a call. And Steph says, come over. And by the time they call me, I know what's going on. I'm knowing that I'm going to have to make the decision. I'm going to have to walk in and either I'm going to have to call the ambulance or death was imminent. (laughs) And I was like, this is when you're praying that, you know, that day of saying, Lord, let me have the authority for anything that I face this day. So Moss is driving me, and we get stopped at the construction at the traffic light, and we're two or three back, and I just can picture that every second counts because I'm being called in at the very last moment. So I jump out the car door. I tell Moss I've got to go, so I just go running through the traffic And I come running across the road, I burst into the room. Well, she was, she was going into a, where, you know, one side of her paralyzes, the stroke, the seizure, and now she has that spirit of death on her. And because I had seen death on her, like I had seen it on her mother, I told her they're going to die this night because it had been like two or three years of things happening. It looked like the lady was going to die, but when you saw the spirit of death, you were like, it's over. Now the mom had that spirit of death on her. On top of it, she had aged in front of my eyes. It was way beyond her years. I'm looking at her, and I'm like, you look just like your mother when she died. Like, you can see it. And because I had seen that, I was like, boy, this is the daughter and the mother, and that spirit is just right there on the mom. And so at that moment, I can see Steph's been giving it all she had, like she was commanding, she was using all that she had trying to bring her back. And so I do something. I take my friend, and I push her out of the room with her mother, and I push her into the radio studio, and I told her, you make the decision. I'm either calling the ambulance, or you're going to tell me that you want us to keep doing what we're doing. And if I have ever seen Faith... This girl loves her mother. I've had so many phone calls to pray for her mother. I know she loves her mother. And I have her against the wall telling her, you make the call and I'll do what you're saying. Now, I had a little logical truth and sanctified reasoning going on inside of me because I thought this started with renouncing. And it's got to end with renouncing. Again, I can't explain what's taking place. We know. It's- A lot of times you're not sure, but we knew. We knew how it started. It started renouncing, but it didn't look like renouncing now. And you were wondering, could this just be timed out this way? Did she have some kind of a heart, brain, something? I mean, it was, she was gone. But you tell yourself it started with renouncing, it should come out with renouncing. Like my friend said, she knew inside of her it was spiritual and it was trying to cause her fear But let me tell you what my friend had going on in her head, because I want you to know you can have something going on in your head and still kick in with your faith, because this is what I was telling you. Your emotions sometimes have to catch up with your faith. This is what was going on in her head over and over. My mom is going to die, and it's going to be my fault. My mom is going to die, and it's going to be my fault. My mom is going to die, and it's going to be my fault. And then some crazy person grabs her and slams her into a room and says, tell me what we're gonna do. And she looked at me and she said, get it off of her. And when she said those words, faith filled us. Immediately, when I walked out there and I told Steph, get it off, because of the fact I was making the call, immediately Steph went to another level of authority. And the minute that authority, that decision was made and Steph had been doing this for, gosh, over and over and over and over again. The minute that was said, it began to turn. You began to get the crack. It began to start working. And she started coming back. And the most shocking thing is, her mother had gone under it layer by layer. She had started coming back piece by piece. She stopped shaking. Her limbs came back one by one. So it started, her limbs loosened slightly. And so, I couldn't help but think about that guy I had seen on a video that was raised from the dead in Africa. He had been dead three days in the morgue. I mean, he was dead, dead. Now let's do the renouncing Bible study. He was dead, dead, dead. Three days. They brought him in, and they had him in the basement where the worship music was going above, and they started commanding on him, and he came back just like her mother came back. That's what I was watching. I was like, their limb kind of would warm up and loosen up, and we'd get a leg back. Or an arm. And it just started pieces of her coming back. Do you have anything you want to add here? <laughs> but Steph's still there rebuking, rebuking, rebuking. Well, I, I mean I'm being entertained. I'm watching her mom come back like this and I'm watching Angie's face. I mean, I got two shows going on. Steph is just you know, she's just doing the action part of it. I'm theologically thinking, what well, is she's happening? It through, and I'm- so her mother slowly begins to warm back up. And slowly but surely, she starts coming out of it. And the seizure, she starts coming out of it. And y'all, you may say this has taken a while to tell you. You ought to have been there for an hour watching it. She had come back, all but her voice, because she wasn't able to speak. So now she's back, but it looks like she'll never talk again. So she did what I had tried to do and was made fun of. She starts renouncing on her mother's behalf. But anyway, the mom is grabbing her neck, and she can't breathe. And she begins clawing, trying to grab something off. And like my friend was saying, she said it didn't leave any marks on her neck. It was like she was trying to pull something. And all of a sudden, I had discerned something. So without knowing this, I asked her a question. She had never told anyone. And she said, I've never told anyone this, but she nodded yes, this had happened to her. And so when I rebuked that off, then her voice came back. Anyway, when I identified the choking, she told me what had opened her up, and uh, she began to be able to speak after she got a little water and tell us the story. She time-gapped out, just like our friend Dawn had done. And the reason why it was so apparent, she didn't know I was there, and she was completely embarrassed. And she didn't know Steph was there, like someone coming to. Now she's answered, she's everything has come about on her, and she's like... <gasps> who are y'all? What are you doing here? And we're like, how long has this been going on, you know? And so because of that one thing that I had asked her about, it made her tell us what had happened the week before. Isn't it funny how parents think they can't get things out of children, and then when the child tells them the parents faint? Well, let me say back at you, because these parents are not telling what's happening. So she had used her natural to stop evil. She had not picked up on armoring up. But she had gone to a conference to further her education with her job. And there was a man that had been speaking at the conference that was holding part of the seminar. And her mom' work position is that she deals with people that have been abused. Now guess what the state sponsored for all the people that work with abused people in the state of Texas or regionally to here? This man was making a case for the right to abuse people and would show pictures of how to harm them, how to beat them, how to put bruises, how to burn them with cigarettes, how to whip them, everything. And he showed horrible slides. He said things that were obscene. And his case that he made was, some abuse is consensual, therefore it makes it legal. So as watching everyone in the room succumb to him, and he did that... He does that wicked stuff. Thank goodness he does not live in the state of Texas. She had gone up to him and she told him, this is going to stop. I'm going to stop you. And she did it. She used herself and her position to confront a man using witchcraft because of her position and anger at the abuse. But it wasn't her God-given authority. And guess what he did? He smiled wickedly at her. And she grabbed her friend and they got out of there, walked out, tried to cross the road, and almost got killed in traffic. Like she said, it was the most supernatural evil to kill her that she couldn't believe it. This is one week later. I want y'all to notice and listen to what I tell you on the schemes of the enemy. As soon as she starts renouncing and making a turn towards being obedient with the Lord, the enemy case is open door very quickly before it gets shut so that tells me two things that it was waiting for a real opportune time it was waiting for the perfect time so it's there and it's waiting we're not dealing with an entity that does not think that it thinks so we are saying if renouncing doesn't have some power explain this Because as she began to renounce, it was letting that spirit of death and that curse that he put on her be broken off of her. It was the spiritual authority she needed. I am so thankful this took place in our office because it saved her life. The funniest thing about the whole story is she hadn't too much liked Stefa until then. (laughs) So, So results, outcome, that's what we're about. Her mom has now come to the point where she has never been drawn to the right things or drawn to truth. But now she's gone to another level of letting God resolve some things in her. She's gone to another level of receiving truth, being attracted to it, which is a sign of being sozoed, that truth is attracted to you and you're attracted to it. Like it actually sticks to her now. She started going to church And it's the first time she's ever let the Word get inside of her or it's corrected her. And can we give a big shout-out? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Renounce.